Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel lesson for this week comes from Luke, the 12th chapter. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that, they may be open, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's good to be, good to be back in Ronan after a couple weeks on the road. Um, and uh, this text is a little bit of an interesting one to preach on and to come home to with. But uh, I thought I would start, actually, uh, in preaching on this one uh, by looking at uh, more the end of the passage and then walking my way back towards the front. <clears throat> and, and in here we have imagery, imagery of God coming. The, this is presumably here the second coming. And Christ will return as the master who returns to the, slave and the, house, the slaves in the household, uh, hoping to be welcomed, as was the custom of the time. We also have this image of God coming as this thief in the night. Now both images are... Uh, uh, very much lead us to the theme here that I think God wants us to take. It's to be watchful. To be eager for God's return. To know that it is not in our timing, but in God's timing. And yet I've always been troubled by this image of God as a thief. Right? Uh, there's not a great deal of comfort for me necessarily in um, any thievery ever. <laughs> I hope uh, folks in this church are not into stealing stuff. Um, if you are, we can have a conversation later, but let's do that one-on-one. -on -one, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, it's a little bit just as discomforting for me as to think of somebody in our church being all into kleptomania or something like that. As uh, then to see God as this infinite, eternal, divine thief. Right? 
But lately, I've come to see, think about this a little differently, right? Uh, and to focus not so much on God as the master who comes or the thief and getting, getting hung up on that, so much as seeing that this all happens at night. This happens in the dark moments where all is clouded and nothing is clear. And the only way to greet that moment with any sense of clarity is to be awake and to hope for things unseen to come in the dark. When the night of this world descends, the darkness, the unknowingness, right? The heaviness. That is when we hope for the thief to come and bring us to a different reality. And more importantly, that is the moment in which we watch for the master to come and bring good news and to bring that feast and to serve us instead. It is in those dark moments, those hard moments, where the watchfulness and eagerness is expected and needed. But it is also in those dark moments when the one coming in the night is a sign of hope, not a sign of despair. The night itself, those dark moments, those heavy moments, moments of pain, moments of disruption, moments of insecurity, it is in those moments especially where the hope comes from the one unseen. The hope comes with the thief and more importantly, with the master. So that is why we live lives of watchfulness, faithful watchfulness, hoping for the things that are beyond the world that we see around us. And I've uh, found reassurance in reading this passage again this week that uh, the need for watchfulness is to watch for things that are beyond this present moment. So often these present moments can be quite a bit harder to live through and to walk through. And uh, um, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that there's been a lot for us uh, for, of all sorts these past few years, right? Lots of night moments, night moments. And in those moments of despair, disruption, where all seems unknown and perhaps even scary and anxiety producing, it is those moments where the master or the thief coming in the night is a sign of hope. Hope in things unseen. And that is why we watch and that is why we wait eagerly for what God is about to do next what God is about to do beyond these moments of darkness, beyond these moments of worldly despair, beyond the moments of the present and that eternal future. So let's walk a little bit back further in this passage um, in which Jesus talks about uh, storing up our treasure in heaven where no thief Interesting here, the different use of thief within the same passage, where no thief can come near and no moth can destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. Now in the economic moment we're living in, I'm sure there's a joke about inflation here somewhere. 
I don't have one. <laughs> um, right, but we all know economic stress in one form or another, be it here or, you know, um, I just got together with college friends and was thinking about my days, or our days uh, in college and beyond where, you know, going out to get a burger seemed like a luxury. <laughs> um, and uh, different stages you may feel in life. Right now, we're also, um, uh, we're not in that precarious of a position where, you know, going out for fast food seems like beyond us. But at the same time, having dependence, right, means the bills pile up pretty quick. For others, especially maybe you're uh, in retirement, right, where your earning years are behind you and yet the prices uh, perhaps are not what you expected to pay for life in retirement. All that is to say that we know, uh, we all experience at different times in our life how important our treasure can seem to us. The things we earn, the things we own, the materials that give us a sense of security. And yet here, yet again, God challenges us that the only true and great security that we can found our lives on is in that eternal security, that treasure in heaven that can never be taken from us. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned before, perhaps too much, but I'll say it again, um, that uh, my wife and I came of working age uh, in 2008 and 2009, which was a great time to go looking for your first job. <laughs> it's been clear to me my whole working life that are the financial markets and circumstances in which we dwell and try and thrive in this world then are always subject to change, right? And subject to their own insecurity. And we hear from this passage that those realities are just as ancient as the scriptural texts we read and hold dear. But even more ancient than those is the security that we have in the love of our Creator. The love of God who means to support us beyond the here and now. And who means to provide us with eternal foundation and security in our lives. It can never uh, be taken from us or be foreclosed upon or anything like that. The treasure that we place in the hands of God is not in vain but we will be held in trust from now until the end of time and even beyond that. For the treasure that we store up in heaven is treasure that can never be taken from us or destroyed. And there is good news in that. Now walking back even farther to the beginning of our passage, we hear once again, do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, this is the part of our passage that I read and found great reassurance at the outset. And then as I thought about it a little bit more, I experienced this as um, a little bit more discomforting at times, even while there is great comfort in this verse. But to kind of get at what I mean by saying that, uh, let me tell you a little bit about our travels these past couple weeks. <clears throat> um, 
Uh, so our, our total trip, uh, we made it down uh, with college friends. We had this big reunion planned for summer of 2020. Good time. <laughs> uh, the, as you might expect, those plans fell through as plans did for so many of us. So here we are a couple of years later, finally getting our college crew together. Friends, uh, mostly classmates of mine, as well as uh, friends of Jen and uh, former roommates and, and the like. And now, uh, now all of our spouses and all of the kids, it was quite the, quite the gathering. And uh, we, we made our way down. Uh, we took a couple days as a family and camped at Fairmont Hot Springs, uh, which are extra hot this time of year because it's hot outside the water and inside the water. <laughs> but as always, they have that great, wonderful water slide that the kids love and uh, had a good time with that. I made our way down through Idaho and Wyoming. Um, for Jen and I, it was fun. We stopped at Saratoga, which is uh, just over the mountains from Laramie, where I spent my internship year um, as an intern pastor in Laramie, Wyoming. So, kind of fun fact about Saratoga, that is where, uh, at least talking to Jamie Burr and Monty Chef, they went down and picked up uh, used brewery equipment from the brewery in Saratoga and brought it back to Ronan. Uh, so kind of fun Wyoming connection for me. The, the brewery here now is um, supported by the old equipment that they had down there. <laughs> Eventually we made it through the mountains uh, down to uh, where we were staying, uh, maybe about an hour up from uh, uh, Breckenridge, Colorado. And then we made our way back through, spent a night in Rock Springs, took a couple days in uh, Grand Teton National Park, uh, which was fun and then made our way. Uh, we didn't actually go through Yellowstone. We made our way over the pass at Jackson into Idaho and then uh, eventually back to Ronan. So now I chart out the whole trip. I clocked about 2,200 miles or so. Uh, most of that was pulling our 32 foot RV trailer uh, with our expedition. And let me tell you about my towing skills. <laughs> Uh, I'm a little bit embarrassed to talk about towing in front of a congregation that includes ranchers and farmers and builders, because I'm a real rube, guys. <laughs> I think, uh, I'm not sure what loaded capacity was. I think our trailer was maybe 8,000 pounds. For some of you, I'm sure, who haul horses and cattle and grain and hay and silage and all that stuff. Uh, seems like nothing. Uh, for me, it was a lot. <laughs> Reflecting on that, on the fact that my office is called a pastor's study and not a machine shop, uh, maybe, maybe tells you a little bit about where I start when it comes to towing. Uh, so uh, as part of this, uh, it's a lot more stressful than I remember my camping trips growing up and reflecting on what was the difference? It seemed so fun just riding in the car when I was little. Well, one, I wasn't driving. Big difference. Two, I wasn't towing. <laughs> and there's a lot more stress with that, especially as you face high winds across great plain states like Wyoming and other areas. And then uh, all the mountainous driving that we did. I calculate that we crossed the continental divide between eight and 12 times in that whole trip, right? So you're going up the passes. Uh, especially the steepest one we got was uh, outside of Jackson and into Idaho, where the grade for miles was like 10% on the way up. 
and go back down, 10% on the way down. Fortunately, the brakes held fine. Uh, the engine heat was quite a bit high on that, <laughs> on that climb up that pass. So I'm stressing out his dad, trying to keep the lanes. My mirrors are okay, but you can't see quite behind the 32-foot trailer. We did get backup cameras, but the signal didn't quite reach. Thank you for that company that sold us that <laughs> Chinese technology or whatever it was, <laughs> right? And the whole time, though, 2,200 miles, I'm trying to keep it together, and the kids are playing on the tablets in the back seat. And I'm dad driving, stressing out basically the whole way and back. And yet there's something as perhaps unnatural as me in the driver's seat is on that. There's something perfectly pure and I think almost divine reflected in a father stressing out over how to keep his kids safe. As we travel the Rocky Mountains from almost to Canada down into the heart of Colorado. There's something very biblical about a father doing what he can to protect his family. To make sure that the roadways are safe, we're driving the right speeds, to figure out as best he can how to not be such an amateur behind the wheel so that his kids can play their games and watch their movies and mess around with their toys in the back seat without that care in the world. And I see that as a reflection of Jesus saying, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The major reason we were on this road trip was, yes, to see friends, to reconnect, to reunite but was also to show them the beauty of God in these Western lands that we love. So we made our back, way back into Grand Teton. We just saw this beautiful, amazing mountain range once again. That you just stare at and you're just, oh, a wonder. The fingerprints of God in this world. An image, though be it in a mirror dimly, of that kingdom of God, that it is the Father's good pleasure to give to us. Now, I said that thinking about this verse, it can be a little bit discomforting at times, especially when I reflect on myself and think about my life and my worthiness or unworthiness. I question at times, why would the Father want to give me this? Why? How am I in any way deserving or worthy of such an honor, a beauty more glorious than anything we can see in the American West? And yet, I reflect on my stressing behind the wheel and seeing my kids in the back seat. And I rejoice that it is in the Father's goodness. It is in our Creator's desire to care for us that we are promised this kingly inheritance. It is in the fact that God, our Father, wants to provide for us, and in that love alone. It doesn't matter the stresses of the roadway, the tongue weight, the load capacity, or anything like that. The Father will be in the driver's seat for us on that.
And more importantly than that, all the beauty, that all the wonder that we see in the world, God promises us that and so much more. Because God is good. And, God, and it is our good God's good pleasure to give us that kingdom and so much more. I pray that you might rest and rejoice in that love this week and so many more. For God truly does love us. And we are like a little flock who is just waiting to be given so much more. Not because we are worth it so much, but because God is worthy and God loves us beyond compare. And that love will be made manifest as we wait for that master to come one day. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.